Hey everybody, welcome to an all new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, previews, and reviews. And in fact, today, we're not so much a, an AEW podcast, but we're a Snyder Cut preview podcast. Oh no. No, we're not really. Okay. What is that? But we are watching it tomorrow, which is exciting. That- I love that Jenny doesn't know what that is, even though tomorrow she's going to be subjected to it. Did you know that movie's four by three? What? Yeah. No. <laughs> My TV doesn't like that. It's fancy and likes pretty pictures. Like 16 by nine. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Well, this adds a layer to it. The whole viewing experience that we're going to do tomorrow that I need to prepare emotionally for. So uh, it's good to know that in advance because if that got like surprised tomorrow, mm-hmm. I think I I would be ready to tap out before this movie even began. Wait, is it is it an SD? No, it's HD, but it's like it's uh, it's it's uh, four by three aspect ratio. So how much of it are we going to actually get to see? Four by three. Yeah. I paid for a 75-inch television. <laughs> well, you're going to see the aspect. It's going to be like the ratio is still going to be the same, but it's bigger on your TV. <laughs> yeah, we'll still see a lot. <laughs> Trust me, you're going to see more than you want to see. Yeah. God. So apparently the reason for this is that he thinks that when the world is back to normal, there's going to be IMAX screenings of... Of this movie and and like four by three converts easily to IMAX. So I don't like IMAX movie. Give me a Dolby any day. It's way better than IMAX. You don't like IMAX because in our theaters the IMAX the IMAX theater rooms are old and have the original seats and don't recline. And I still think Dolby's have the best picture. I and the truest blacks. I Here's think, what I hate. I think that too, but I like IMAX. I- I hate that Zack Snyder is probably correct that there's going to be some weird sort of cult Snyder fans that want that movie in IMAX. And I'm I fine just, with that. That's they can you know those no old... they can they can do their thing. I just yeah. I wish we as the home viewing audience the first round the guinea pigs if you will I wish we got the full sixteen by nine experience. That's not how we shot it. Just one more thing to hate about Zack Snyder. Yeah. Don't at me, anyone. <laughs> I'm gonna put. I'm gonna when I post this, I'm gonna put a bunch of Zack Snyder related hashtags so <laughs> to make sure that they come down on you. I don't. I hate wrestling Twitter, and I hate Justice League director's cut Twitter. Yeah. They're bad. Yeah. They're he might bad, be a better. He might be a better way. human being than Joss Whedon, but he's not a better director. Ugh, what a like everyone is trash. Please stop. Please stop being trash. Yep. All right. This is a long preamble to say that uh, we start the same way every week with the elite beat pop of the week. Actually, I think this week it's the elite beat shot of the week. Andy and I are oh. fresh with our first doses of COVID nineteen vaccine. Are you drinking it? <laughs> are you dying there? <laughs> are you dying there? <laughs> no, and because we got the vaccine, I didn't want a chance drinking alcohol to have any sort of weird reaction. I, I'm sure 
guys, the, that's no medical basis for this at all. That's not how it works. No, it's not at all. I agree. It's not at all. Um, but we were so, we didn't, we got, we found an appointment last night at 11 p.m. And then neither of us could fall asleep. And we got vaccinated this morning at like, what, 10 o'clock? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think we're all, we're both a little tired. So we're not doing any alcohol today. But I do have something from France that sparkles. You pulled this trick before. Let's see. I think this is the same bottle, so it's probably pretty flat. <laughs> okay, kind of got a little sound. Yeah, you got yeah. a you got a carbonation in there. It'll, it'll it'll still sound like champagne when I pour it. That doesn't sound like anything. I can hear it. <laughs> it's a, it sounds like bubbly. Something. It's like carbonated. It, I mean, no offense, Jenny. It could also be Coca Cola. We don't know. Well, Speaking of, <laughs> got a lovely Diet Coke here. Uh, I'm not worried about a a bad reaction with my uh, vaccine. I just uh, I still have sleep apnea, and <laughs> and I'm still not drinking alcohol because of it. And uh, I will continue to do so until I talk to my sleep doctor next month. <laughs> so here we go. Ah, yeah. We had a lot of weird vibes starting out this episode, huh? <laughs> Everyone's turning us off at this point. <laughs> Please keep listening. Uh, we're just being normal people. <laughs> it's about to get better. It's about to get alcoholic, which I feel like uh, listeners who have been around for more than just this week or the last will start to judge me as being the only one on this podcast that continues to insist on drinking. But I will say it's a Friday night that we're recording, so... The weekend has officially started, and I don't have sleep apnea, and I didn't get a shot, and, um, like, I exercised today, so I can drink this bottle of champagne. Oh, it's fine. Right. It's Chandon. Don't get excited. It's uh, my typical Kroger purchase. Um, is it brewed or rosé? It's just brewed, because remember, rosé is for special occasions. Like when you returned. You were oh. so excited about that. Really exciting. Yeah, and I will say, spoiler alert, because we already talked about how the director's cut is happening tomorrow. If I'm going to sit through four hours of Zack Snyder's movie, and it's at a four by three aspect ratio, <laughs> I've got a Piper Sonoma chilling in my fridge, waiting to be opened, because <sighs> tomorrow's going to be a ride. So, here we go. This is Shandon. Hey. Oh, satisfying. Indeed. I told I told Jenny that uh, that she gets the next two picks after the Snyder cut because uh, because of you know she's gonna hate you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. What what movie are we watching? Justice League, the Zack Snyder director's cut. See, I don't think uh, Jenny is going what? to realize how weird it is because she didn't see the original. But I don't, I don't think she needs to see the original. I just think so. Here's the very very basic backstory: Zack Snyder. Directed a Justice League movie. Who's Zack Snyder? The director of the Justice League movie. Okay. He, um, very tragically, uh, lost a child during production of the film. Oh. He left Died the production. Died by suicide. Yeah. He oh left, my God. He left the production, understandably. Joss Whedon, he of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, and and uh, Avengers, which is the thing you've seen. Oh, yeah. I, and that's, actually, that's, that's probably why he got called in to do this, because he had successfully directed a team-up superhero movie. And so he came in, finished the movie, it was released, it bombed, um, 
It wasn't very well reviewed. It did get better reviews than Batman versus Superman. Well, low uh, bar, lowest bar you could set, perhaps. So there has been this like this legend for years now since Justice League came out, like the three or four years since Justice League came out that like, oh man, you don't even know. Like Zack Snyder's version is sitting there. It's just ready to go. And like Warner Brothers won't release it, man. They're those motherfuckers. Wait, 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 wait. How was his version just ready to go? Had he already directed and filmed everything and Joss Whedon was just brought in in post-production? No. Okay. Well, then that's some bullshit. Here's how we know this. You're going to watch this tomorrow. He had filmed a lot of the stuff. But, you know, he he left the production and and a lot of the stuff was reshot and and then a lot of new footage was shot. So, so there's this, all all these people are saying like, this movie is just, you just have to flip a switch and then you can put it out. And so a couple years pass and HBO Max gets announced. And a few months later, HBO Max announces that, hey, we're going to produce the Snyder Cut of we're going to let Zack Snyder get back in there and, and make his movie. And then they announced that Warner Brothers was spending like $50 million on this what? movie to, to shoot new footage and finish CGI and stuff. Which tells you that it was utter bullshit. These people didn't know what they were talking about. This movie was not done. This movie was in an unreleasable state. So he Henry Cavill spent, had a mustache. Yeah. So they spent giant out. So they spent like fifty million dollars, and uh, it's four hours long. It's it's apparently it's Zack Snyder's ultimate vision of what this is, which is weird because like obviously if he had if he had finished the film in two thousand sixteen or whenever that came out. And they released it. It would not have been a four-hour theatrical movie. You hope not. It's not it possible. Probably, it probably would have gotten up in past two. Oh, I'm sure because like even like Batman versus Superman in theaters was two and a half. But yeah, like, but that's like and, half as long. But then you know, Infinity War got up. No, Endgame got up to three. Yeah, but that was years after. And that was like the culmination of ten years of movies. Well, Zack Snyder, I think views himself as a bit of an auteur. I well, <laughs> so. obviously. So anyway, you have seen you have seen a Zack Snyder Snyder movie. You saw Man of Steel, the first Henry Cavill Superman movie. Oh. Yeah. I, it's it's whatever. Henry Cavill's hot. So I, we'll have that. I like I will go <laughs> to my grave saying that I like Joss Whedon's Justice League. I think it's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's, some, that's, that's yeah, I mean, I, it's not what great. it is. It's not the Avengers, but it's fine. It's yeah. like it's fine. It's yeah. like inoffensive enjoy- when you compare it to some other DC movies. It's fine. I enjoyed watching it again. I never, I didn't think about it that much afterwards. I might have texted you a couple of times and said like, "Hey, what about this?" Or I had this thought, but yeah, I. So I don't I know. Mean, I'm spoiler for Justice League. But I loved at the end, the end credit sequence where Superman and the Flash had a race. Like that was the highlight of the movie for me. And that was after it. That was great. That was so, great. You're right. You um, that felt that felt very Whedon-esque. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guarantee that that is not in the, what we're watching tomorrow. Ezra Miller perhaps uh, has become come out as problematic since then. So I don't know. It's like a whole thing. But uh, yeah. I enjoyed his his rendition of Flash. Sure. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, if anything, I am incredibly curious about what tomorrow night holds. Me too. I hope 
that Zack Snyder doesn't decide that having Superman smile at least once in the film is like going to ruin it and takes all that out because I think Superman, Zack Snyder's Superman is bleak and terrible and uh, Joss Whedon allowed him to have a little fun. God forbid the man have fun. He's Superman. Just can we leave a little humor in? Can it not be dark and gritty in the way that Batman, Christopher Nolan has changed the way superhero films have to be and I love the Batman trilogy that he did but my god it doesn't all have to be dark and terrible. We can have some fun. Totally. Um, did I don't you, know how much fun we'll have tomorrow. Did you watch that Superman and Lois for episode yet? Not yet. I yeah, got busy. I'll tell you what. That's Superman. That is a smiling Superman. Thank God. That's a, <laughs> I need a Christopher Reeve, like, ask yeah. Superman. Like, give me someone who, who grins and has fun with his role. And as Clark Kent, he's goofy, but still, like, fun, like, adorable and lovable. I, I'm so over just the dramatic Superman. Superman is colorful and and fun and happy. Comics can be that, guys. They do exist. They're pretty, like, bright and colorful and yeah, cheery. Okay. I think it's finally time to talk about being the elite. Okay. The Snyder Cut of <laughs> All Elite. This episode oh. was entitled Leg Slapping. There's no leg slapping while laughing. Actually, I don't think it was called Leg Slapping. Was it called Lawnmower? It was called Lawnmower. Okay. Yeah. Leg Slapping has spawned a whole line of t-shirts, though. Yeah. It was weird. It's weird to see whenever you see BTE bits spill over onto Dynamite, but oh well. Yeah. So, uh, do you know what the Leg Slapping thing is about? I mean, I know what leg slapping is in the context of wrestling. I don't know why they're highlighting it and saying no leg slapping while laughing in Matt Hardy's rented room. I believe at SmackDown two weeks ago. Oh, gosh. There was suddenly a sign backstage where, like, to where the wrestlers go out that says, don't slap leg while kicking. But then, and how will you get the sound? We don't. Uh, evidently, Vince McMahon saw was watching some match, and probably a Johnny Gargano match. He slaps leg blatantly. <laughs> nah, he's. You think Vince McMahon watches NXT? <laughs> no, but I do think watching Johnny Gargano is so fun because he just he just raises that hand and just like <laughs> full motion slaps. Um. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, he just he got a he got a bee in his bonnet over some leg slapping kick that he saw, and he suddenly decided to outlaw the practice in his company. So that's what so that's what this was a reaction to. Okay, but Vince, are you going to insert slapping sound like skin on skin sounds where the leg slap should go? Because otherwise, it's going to be very quiet. It's going to be a very quiet match. They're inserting crowd noises, so if they could insert. Like slapping noises. True. I just, it seems like unnecessary in the grand scheme of things. You could just allow the leg slapping to occur. Yep. Uh, the hangman got a nice ass lawnmower. As he said he would. Yep. Uh, we saw this briefly on Dynamite last week, but we got, we got a, like more of a nice long look at it uh, on BTE. 
I loved the intense slow-mo shot of Adam on his lawnmower with the various members in the Dark Order. And then it like pans out and fives over to the side. <laughs> I just thought it was it was intense in the funnest of ways. Yeah. Uh, Maki Ito appeared and uh, she did her dance routine. And some of the Dark Order guys were backup dancers. And she was not not impressed with their efforts. They tried hard, but they were... They're not choreographed like dancers. It's just she should have gotten Kenny's um, cleaner team. Yeah, the Jag, the she Jag does. cheerleaders, absolutely. Yeah, Ika would have been very good in that. <laughs> um, let's see. I skipped over the weird like dream sequence with Alberhantes and that crew. I think actually you may have missed a good thing. I thought it was going to be more Cobra Kai, but it looked like maybe it was like Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> it was. It was okay. um, Nightmare on Elite Street. And okay. Maybe I need to go back and watch this. I think so, because Aberhantus is Freddy Krueger, and they do a sequence with each member of the Latinx crew. Mm-hmm. And I don't... I, I just thought... I like this one way better than Cobra Kai, because it. I thought it was a really good parody, and... Less stupid. I don't, I don't know. Like, I just, I'll go back and watch it. I was just afraid it was going to be more of the same. And it looked like it went really long. It did. Well, because yeah. they focused on each person. But right. I also didn't feel like. Uh, like It didn't feel long. I didn't feel like I needed it to end. I thought it was entertaining in the way they did it. And, and the fear they tapped into each person was kind of funny, too. So. Okay. Very cool. Uh, any other BTE thoughts before we move on? Um, something that may come up later is that Adam met up with Private Party and talked to them, and also paid them back their twelve dollars finally. Oh yeah, eleven. It's twelve. It was twelve. That was eleven. It was twelve. Oh. Yeah. We gave them twelve, and they accepted twelve. Um, <laughs> but what might come up later is that Adam planted the seed of like. Hey, you know Matt tricked you into kind of a shitty deal, right? He's taken 30% of your stuff. And he also pointed out that there's strength in numbers because now that Matt has taken on Butchering the Blade, if he's treating both them and Private Party kind of badly with their deal, it's four versus one. All they need to do is gang up on him. And, uh, you know, he he doesn't say he's there to help, but he kind of indicates, like, he tried to take advantage of me where... We're in the same boat here. And then he walks away. So they didn't seem to act on it this week. But I thought that was interesting that maybe maybe Adam is sowing some seeds of doubt in that group. Yeah, I couldn't tell if this was like genuine concern or psychological warfare. I feel like Adam's too pure to do psychological warfare. He is. He's a pure boy. He did take their $200 bottle of That Ain't Water and uh, or This Ain't Water. So I think that cancels out the 12. That's true. They got pissed and they ran after him. Yeah. Okay, uh, Jenny and I watched uh, the first ever episode of AEW Dark Elevation. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm I'm eager to hear how this went. So, have you seen AEW Dark during the pandemic? No, you know I haven't. It's two hours long. You haven't watched it at all? No. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't make... That makes my... My joke not work. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's like that. 
Yeah, oh. it's pretty much just dark. Yeah. They did have, they had some angles on it, which was helpful, but um, I'll just run it down real quick. Jungle Boy beat Danny Limelight. Okay. Uh, Kip and Miro beat Baron Black and Vari Morales. And, and Kip and Miro was very much like, he wouldn't let Penelope Ford get in the ring to celebrate with them after their victory. Okay, so that kind of ties into stuff that happens on Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. Big Swole beat Skylar Moore. QT Marshall beat Marco Stunt. Uh, Ty Conti beat Ashley Vox. And negative one was with Ty Conti. Negative one was with Ty Conti. Oh, that's yes. cute. Okay. Yeah. He's having, he's having quite a... He's having quite a life, uh, running around with just backstage with all these scantily clad women. <laughs> I think he's Get too young to well, understand I, that. I, I mean, only one of us in this group has been a, what is he, nine? Nine-year-old boy? Yeah. Nine-year-old boys don't care about girls, do they? I mean, I wasn't around those kinds of girls when I was nine. <laughs> uh... Matt Seidel and Mike Seidel, the Seidel brothers, defeated Jorel Nelson and Royce Isaacs. This one was interesting um, because, first of all, Jenny was just like, who are these people? Meaning the Seidels, not the jobbers. Oh. Um, and so I kind of had to explain that. And Jorel, they beat Superman's dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. It's true. Anyway, um, so they won this match. Then there's a segment backstage where... They're being interviewed, and Kenny comes up, Omega, that is, and he basically sells, tells uh, Seidel that, uh, you know, whatever, nice little win, but, you know, you're not, you should stay in the tag division because, you know, you don't have anything for anybody in this division. You couldn't even beat Nakazawa. And Nakazawa is just, he, he and Matt Seidel's like, I've beaten Matt Nakazawa before. I'll beat him again. He said, like, tell you what, if you beat Michael Nakazawa, I'll give you a match with me. And if you beat me, then you can get a match with me for the for the AEW championship. Okay. The announce team did mention this on the, the show, the main they show. They showed a clip of it, too, actually, um, of the match between Seidel and Nakazawa. Um, so he says, you have to go do it now, though. You have to beat him now. And uh, and then he said, okay. And then uh, he did not wrestle him for uh, seven more matches. But uh, <laughs> but he did wrestle him. So um, let's see. Next up, Red Velvet beat Danny Jordan. Red Velvet looked good in that. I'll say that. Max Caster beat Dante Martin. Okay. Abaddon beat Ray Lynn. Powerhouse Hobbs beat Brandon Cutler. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Hook was there, but he did not deliver a hookplex, which was disappointing. Uh, Diamante defeated Layla Gray. We had an eight-man tag team match as the Butcher and the Blade and Private Party defeated Brick Aldridge, Carly Bravo, David Ali, and Dean Alexander. Okay. Then we had Matt Seidel versus Michael Nakazawa. Seidel won. Kenny came out and said... All right, but you gotta fight me right now. And he, he like he picked him up and hit him with the one winged angel and pinned him like fake, you know, fake pinned him. Uh, Tony Khan came out onto the ramp. Who is he awkward? And he needs the practice. Oh, he usually he just needs does to so, not be on TV. He usually well, does I mean, okay. If he, want, 
I think it's fine if he wants to be on TV. I just think he just he had this like really nervous energy and like talks like a little boy. Yeah. So basically, he was just like, Kenny, you can't do that. You you know you promised Seidel a match, and this is a farce, and you're gonna honor your word. You're gonna live up to the spirit of what you offered, and so next week on Dynamite, meaning not this week, but you know the uh, the show that'll be on the twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to wrestle Matt Seidel. So, and then he spent three minutes saying what Andy just distinctly <laughs> summed up there, but he just like kept repeating himself. That's weird because Tony's not usually. He seems like he gets in and gets out. He doesn't seem nervous usually. Yeah. And in the main event, Riho defeated Maki Ito. It was pretty good. Nice. Okay, so here's what I have to say about elevation. Okay. I think the big show's gonna need some practice. He has a monotone voice and it's fairly quiet compared to Tony's. So like it's like when you're listening to a podcast with two people that are in different places and one mic is up like a lot louder than the other mic and it's kinda it's kinda it's a little jarring because it's like one's really loud and one's soft. Mm-hmm. And and the big show doesn't change the inflection of his voice. So it's like a very monotone, like it his words sound like he's excited, but you can't hear it in his voice. So if you read a transcript, you'd think this guy's fired up. Yeah. And it's just so it's like such a stark contrast against like Tony, who's excellent at it. And it was just kinda I, I it sounds like Andy had a theory. Your theory of the whole show? I don't remember what my theory was. So, so you, can, you can tell. Your theory was that so the big show was not signed for this new TNT show, but what Andy thinks is happening. New YouTube show. No, the new TNT show. Oh, okay. And so what Andy thinks is happening is they're doing this YouTube show with him and Tony to get them basically reps. Of, like, working together, and since the big show's never done announcing, to hopefully get him, like, comfortable so that when they have this hour-long TNT show, they can slot them in. But I'm going to say, based on, if it was just off of one tape audition, I'd say you might want to have Excalibur in that TNT show. But, um, hopefully the big show will get a little better. I enjoyed the big show's commentary, uh, so... I, I liked his words... I just didn't like I liked the... his, I enjoyed his performance, I guess I'll say. Okay, yeah. alright. I mean, I've heard him on two podcasts recently. And I will agree with Jenny. He does have a, a more soft-spoken approach. Which I kind of like because, you know... Not on AEW. Like, AEW is... I like their announced team. I think they do well. But, like, I just remember WWE days where you had a table of three people screaming at each other. And I don't like that. That's too far the other direction. So I think that I haven't heard it, obviously. But I think Big Show, based on what he said on the podcast, really wants to do well at this. He wants to wrestle, too. But for now, he, he really did seem enthusiastic about announcing. So maybe he does just need a little practice. Because Tony has a... A whole communications announcement history. <laughs> like he, mm-hmm. he's good at it. He has that's his background. So I I wouldn't fault um Paul 
or the big show for being, you know, not the the best that he can be on his first episode. I think this is like you like you said, that sounds like a good theory. Just this is his practice run. He's on YouTube. And then once he gets some reps in, it probably will be better. Like they I'm assuming Big Show and Tony uh, Shivani know each other, but maybe not aren't they aren't like best friends so they just they need to get into the rhythm together so i the announced part of it sounds like the least um tedious part honestly the the fact that it's another super long youtube show for AEW i question why why you needed to add a, another show that is that format cuz i thought we were going to get a succinct dark but with only signed people on it and it sounds like it went off the rails as far as that prediction went, is concerned. I, that's also what I thought. And honestly, if it had been that, if you just kept your five best matches and kept kept the same angles in that they did, I think you'd have had a really strong show. Yeah, this dragged on. Like, I couldn't believe it was still on. Like, when we got to the last match, I was just like, how is this still happening? Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think I'm going to watch it again. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jenny, you weren't on the last episode, but Andy and I were excited when only five matches had been announced. It it sounded like, oh, yeah. this is going to be awesome. And they then announced Andy... five matches like early. Oh. And then like added ten. Basically, the day after we recorded, like Tony Khan went on Twitter and like announced like here's like and here's the other six matches for oh the ep- first episode yeah. of Dark Elevation. I got text message updates from Andy, and the more he texted me, the more I was like. This doesn't sound fun anymore. <laughs> like, no. I, do, I don't want to sit there two hours. It it wasn't, and and Meg and I agree with you. Like I it it felt like the big show was like had very good intentions, and I think he'll get better. I it and like I liked what he was saying and stuff, and I I appreciated that he wasn't screaming. I just think he needs to find a bit more range in showing like some excitement, and then you'll be like, oh my god, the big show really thinks this is awesome when he like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I and maybe I am a little biased too, just because I, hearing him recently on the last two episodes, when he essentially said the same thing. Although I think Jericho went a little deeper than the Unrestricted podcast went. If any of the listeners want to pick one and go with it, um, was he on Unrestricted or was he on uh, Renee's podcast? Oh, Renee, sorry, yeah. yes. So Jericho, I'm sure he'll make the Unrestricted rounds at some point. Oh, for sure. But Jericho went deeper than Renee, which. You'd expect because Renee is more just having like a, a like an unrestricted level conversation. Um, so I would recommend Jericho's. But he said essentially the same thing. And he sounds excited. He's charming. Like he sounds like a nice person who is genuinely like in love with this business. And that's why he fi- he did finally like leave WWE because they did him dirty <laughs> recently. Uh, so I-, I hope for the best for him. He seems like a nice person. I remember him interacting a little bit with uh, Natalie in backstage on Total Divas, and I, I always thought he was very charming. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. Uh, let's talk ratings. This is from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the story. Uh, the March 17th rating saw both AEW and NXT do disappointing numbers. Oh. AEW built around the first women's main event in Dynamite history with Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in a lights-out match that was one of the best matches in the history of the show. That's a little Agreed. bit of foreshadowing. Did 768,000 viewers, but fell to a .28 in 18-49. It finished sixth place for the night. I believe it finished fifth last week. 
Um, NXD, NXT, and Megan, this is going to be a scary number to you because you have your uh, you have your theory about about a certain threshold of viewers. Oh no! NXT did five hundred ninety seven thousand <gasps> viewers and a point one three in eighteen to forty nine. It was the third lowest eighteen to forty nine number in the show's history, and the only two lower were going against uh, the college football national championship game and Trump's impeachment. Oh my god! There was no such big cultural events yeah. happening this Wednesday. What was happening this Wednesday? <laughs> Nothing. People just, they just... want to watch wrestling. Wow. I, I don't know. I mean. Uh, Dave posits that, you know, it was St. Patrick's Day, so maybe there are people... But in a pandemic, what are people doing in a pandemic for St. Patrick's Day? Yeah, I don't know. You can still get blackout drunk before 8 p.m. if you're really <laughs> desperate in a pandemic. I did not do now, that, to be clear. <laughs> now, there was something with NXT, and this is not an NXT podcast, but I do want to throw a little bit of shade. Okay. Because they had a, a lineup announced... They had some matches announced, and on the morning of the show, they announced that all of those matches were canceled, and they didn't promote anything heading into the show, because there was another big COVID outbreak at the Performance Center. And apparently, like, 20-some people, including Triple H, are quarantining right now. Oh my god. Like, now that doesn't mean any or all of those people have COVID, but they are all quarantining, because they were in contact to to someone who did, yeah. So that could have been part of the reason. There wasn't really anything, you know, promoted yeah, on the show. I could see if you cancel basically the entire lineup you had and then don't really give anybody anything else to cling to. Sure. That's that's real bad. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's sad, too, because I saw, like, a clip of the end of the show and Walter showed up and, like, beat the shit out of Tommaso Ciampa. And I was like, oh, man, I want to see this. <laughs> and uh, nobody God. watched it. Uh, let's see. The most notable stuff regarding the main event segments: AEW with Baker versus Rosa did seven hundred ninety-five thousand viewers and three hundred eighty-seven thousand in eighteen to forty-nine of the final quarter. So that actually, like, their, fi- their last quarter hour, that that match like skyrocketed in viewership. Yay! Okay, good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of the big ratings thing. Uh, yeah, they get that that quarter actually gained 119,000 viewers from the uh, from the Phoenix versus Angelico and Miro and Kip Sabian thing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but, good for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's get into some news items. If that's all right with you, uh, there is. A Tony Schiavone Kickstarter going on right now for a graphic novel about his uh, his life and career. What? And yeah, because you know he's he's a big comic book nerd, and and so like this is kind of like a dream of his. He's he's partnered with some comic book artist or writer or something, and they're and they've got this Kickstarter. Uh, it's called Butts in Seats: The Tony Schiavone Story. Oh um, which is a reference to a nitro line that he was fed back in 1999 when Mick Foley was winning the WWF championship on a tapes raw on the other channel. Eric Bischoff fed him the line. Okay. Tell, tell the people what happened on raw and then say, 
yeah, that'll put butts in seats. Like, very sarcastically, like, cutting down Mick Foley. And it backfired as, I believe, a million and a half viewers immediately switched over to Raw after hearing that. They were like, we do want to see this. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> so that's so that, that kind of line has followed him around forever, unfairly, because he didn't even come up with it. But uh, So that's the name of the thing. He was They were looking for $20,000 in pledges. They I believe they hit 28000 on day one, and it is now up to 67406 with 27 days to go. Good for so him. They've already, I think they've hit almost every single stretch goal. Uh, I think, yeah, there's, there's one left at 70000 And... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like the art looks really cool. I don't know. I I, I can't see it, but I I, uh, I could send. I could uh, text the link yeah, over. Yeah, send to me that. You. Send me that link. Just so you can. I'll check it out. See what kind of the uh, the art looks like. It looks pretty cool. I'm just anyway, happy for Tony. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's pretty. That's He's pretty cool. awesome. Yeah. Uh, Layla Hirsch has signed a contract with All Elite Wrestling. Finally, she, she is All Elite. And here's the funny thing. So she did an interview or she did like some kind of, she did some kind of Q and a thing a couple days ago, like after this had been announced. And she said like, yeah, I signed my contract in October. I don't know why they waited until now to announce it. But... Oh, okay. So apparently she's been under contract for months now. That's weird. Did they, do you think they just forgot? Uh, I don't know. They forgot who they signed contracts with. Are they going to do a push for? Her? Yeah, that, that's that's that was the thing I thought of. I thought maybe like maybe they're going to start pushing her, and hmm. so you know, and you time it up to to that. I'm glad I like her a lot, and um, I know that you, Andy, have been saying like sign her since she basically showed up. So I'm glad that apparently they did, and they just didn't want to tell us. I mean, it looks like there might be a spot open on Team Taz soon, so. Uh, yeah, I I would be fine with that because, you know, I think she can pull her weight in a group full of men. Like, Who's leaving Team Taz? Well, we'll get into it on the Dynamite recap. Oh, yeah. Oh, the art on this is very cool. Yeah, yeah, I like the style. Uh, all Ego Ethan Page has, says that, has said that he has signed a three-year deal, uh, so he's got that long to win me over. <laughs> oh, he still hasn't, huh? <laughs> Not convinced yet. That's fair. Uh... This is something I shared with you guys earlier this week, but uh, let's talk about it here. Uh, they had these dates in Philadelphia, Rochester, and Boston planned for the spring. And those were dates that have been continually pushed back over and over again, as you know, as it became increasingly clear that COVID was not going away. Um, they pushed them back again to September and October. And... I think that the idea right now is with, you know, with people with a lot of access to the vaccine opening up around the country that they may actually be ready to resume live touring in the fall. That's Which I right. think if, 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 uh, let's see, Boston is on September 8th and the Saturday before the Sunday before that would be the date of all in, which Maybe or all out. What's no? It's all out, right? All out is theirs. Mm -hmm. All in was the other one. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's you could actually run Chicago for that to kick off the to kick off the new like renewed touring. I yeah. I mean, 
supposedly, according to our our current president, President Biden, vaccine he wants vaccines available to all people by May. So if that becomes a reality, then September is well past that the two week mark where you can get an you know the second booster or whatever. Yeah. So I guess that's within safe restriction. Like I'm I'm not going. Like, you know, like I I, I'm still kind of gonna be cautious about it, but I think that that's fair that I think they're giving it a good enough buffer that even if something unexpected happens, like you're still pretty far out from the expected we're getting everyone who wants a vaccine a vaccine date. Yeah. I'm uh I'm cool with this because it does seem like It'll be, I, I would hope at least the talent will be, and the staff and crew will all be vaccinated by then. I would think yeah, that, I hope, hope, so. that, hope that the company would make that a priority to make sure that everybody working for them is safe. Well, here's my question, because it's come up in other areas. Will they require the talent to get vaccinated? Because here's here's a thing, and I know we, we talk F1 briefly on this podcast, um, enough that people probably are like, shut up about F1, we don't watch it. But F1 has started. And one of the things that has recently come up is that the country that they were in for like testing, Bahrain, um, just decided to offer everybody who was there the opportunity to get a vaccine, which, you know, you're jumping the line technically, but they were offering. Mm -hmm. And the teams are like kind of weird about it. And, And like principals across the team said like, they didn't commit to saying like we told everyone to get it they just said most of them just said like we left it up to the discretion of our employees and not everybody all the drivers who were interviewed said they got it and you know it is a personal preference and i understand the fact that there are anti-vaxxers in this here country as well as others but um i don't think technically they can require their talent to get the vaccine but I hope it's strongly encouraged. And so I'm just wondering, like, I don't know. I guess I'm wondering, like, do you think they will try to push that? I I, I think Mega will <laughs> not allow them to, like, because I think there's a lot of issues with requiring people to do something. Like, Are you, are you talking about Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, annual uh, 2021 award winner, Mega Parekh? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it should be strongly encouraged. Like, strongly, strongly, strongly encouraged. And I understand that there are some people with conditions where maybe it hasn't been, like, tested on yet, like, but like, I don't, I don't <clears throat> know. Like, I, I think... To keep your company safe, to keep your talent ta- safe, to keep your other talent safe, like I think, to keep your fans safe that are y- your customers essentially, like I think you should strongly encourage. Hopefully, enough people will be vaccinated that it will protect those who are too dumb to get vaccinated. <laughs> all right, there's the blunt answer I was yeah. looking for. I mean, yeah. this is something that I think all areas of people returning to work. You know, I think it's affecting everyone because I don't know the extent of the law and and how much you can require of your employees, but especially employees that you call independent contractors. And we all know that that's a huge lie. Andrew Yang, where are you? Why aren't you finding this? Um, But he didn't really care. Andrew Yang, what the fuck? Uh, 
But I just think it's kind of an interesting thing where, like, I feel like in their industry and the amount of contact you're required to have with your coworkers, your quote-unquote coworkers, it is kind of different than just asking people who are returning to an office to, you know, to do that. So I'm kind of interested in how it all plays out just globally or in the United States specifically. But I, I, you know, I hope they all do it and are safe and I hope people that go to the shows are safe but uh I also really like the pod system and think we should just keep it in place I do too Megan (laughs) I I'm real nervous about like big events like I I don't know that I'm ever going to go to a big event again I like the pod system in theory but the reality is to make up for the lost revenue the promoters would have to charge so much more money per ticket. It's true. Yeah, they would pass that on to us. Uh, I just think, in theory, like I would. They'd have. They'd have, and honestly, they'd have to. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I want to live in a world where the pod system is always in place, so that I only have to interact with people I know and am friends with. <laughs> Agreed. Virus be damned! I just really don't want to talk to strangers. So. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I am I have to say though just from a from a television production standpoint I am I am ravenous to see full arenas full of fans again. Yeah, I never thought I'd want the sound of a crowd back and the stupid chance, but I guess like why not? Why not bring it back at this point? <laughs> you know what though? I still want Austin Gunn out there in his corner. <laughs> Just screaming things and whoa! Like there's only Austin Gunn. There are no fans. That was one of my favorite things Nick Jackson has ever said. I know, me too. So, uh, in some sad news, Maki Ito is has returned to Japan. Oh. No, I and, wanted to uh, see more of her uh, entrance song and her singing it and not caring what who gets beaten up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she returned to Japan. She's in quarantine, um, so she can be there for the next big Tokyo Joshi Pro show. Okay. Uh, she said that her tour in America was tough due to all the COVID restrictions and travel, and she felt like a criminal. <gasps> what? She said, she said, AEW was fun, but challenging having to deal with language issues and a rust sh- schedule. And the, uh, the you know, we talked about, she, it was kind of a... Uh, very, very dicey timing of her making it for that pay-per-view, so. Yeah. But it sounds like she had a good time, though. She she got along with everybody. She said everybody was really nice. Well, hopefully she comes back for future events when it's a little less complicated getting to and from Japan for yeah, her. Hopefully she won't feel like a criminal in the future. That would be that would be best for everybody, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a strong man. Yeah. I mean, that's probably how my neighbors feel about when I walk outside and see a person and I immediately turn and walk the other way. Like, I'm sure I give off those you're a criminal vibes. I mean, to be fair, you did that anyway, (laughs) pre-pandemic. True. All right. Well, thank God it's Friday because we are... More than 45 minutes into the show and just getting ready to start with Megan's Dynamite recap. I don't even know how I'm going to follow that strong opening Zack Snyder discourse. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll try. So, we are here and we are at the St. Patrick's Day Slam, guys. 
It's good themed dynamite. Everyone, or at least most people, seem to have a simple green shirt with some version of their logo on it that was slapped together very quickly. <laughs> uh, this is more than they that. did for Halloween this year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was kind of surprised at... Fuck that Halloween show. None of the Halloween shows have been good, and I, I think it's because I have too high of expectations. NXT did Halloween Havoc. It was great. I just expect more people on the AEW roster to dress up because they're all, like, nerd cosplayers. Like, yeah. where are they out in force? Come on. Yeah, how was Kip Sabian not dressed as Harry Potter all night that night? I don't know. He has three moves that are references to Harry Potter, like, things. It's the It's the crime. That is the Halloween show on AEW. I think everyone should put more effort into it, but, you know, who am I? Now, as far as people getting into the spirit go, I want to say this first match between Penta and Cody was fun, but what I took from it and what I loved the most was when twice Penta put on some sort of St. Patrick's Day hat that he grabbed from somebody in the audience And then just looked at the camera (laughs) and he has, you know, full mask, full Penta gear, and he just has like a jolly green top hat on. That that, was my favorite part too. Yeah, that's at the, at the end, uh, no spoilers yet, but at the end, he sat down, put on a St. Patrick's Day bowler, and then looked at the camera as he crossed his arms. And I swear to God, the anger in his eyes. I the whole I stopped and just laughed. I paused it and just cracked up for a minute because it was so good. I, I love to slap your leg while you were doing that, though. I did. I defied the sign. I think there are very few wrestlers that have more charisma than Pentagon. Oh what? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I think I think I did not appreciate it because usually we're not zoomed into his face that much. But he really had for all the. The makeup and the mask and everything, he really does shine through. And I think that that's a talent. It takes a lot to convey that sort of level of emotion with only basically your eyes and your <clears throat> mouth at times. So I, And I I saw some this week. I've never seen any before that. And I think it's because I think he's outshone by Ray Phoenix. And because I I love Ray Phoenix and I feel like I look at him the whole time when they're on the screen. So maybe it is good that they're splitting him up to kind of showcase some of his own stuff a bit more. Cause I, I, I didn't know he had charisma. <laughs> I think you missed last week where he started to show off his charisma because they allowed him to speak kind of, but also he has Alexander Hantes as his translator. And I say, let Alex follow him around full time and just, convey what he's saying because Abrahantes puts his own like spin on it too like and adds his own emotion so I like their their little team up but yeah Penta got to speak I don't think he's ever really gotten to say anything on AEW television up until last week so he's showing personality that I did not know he had I guess I, I was more familiar with him because of Lucha Underground and stuff so I saw him on Lucha Underground, but maybe not enough because all he conveyed to me on Lucha Underground was that he was a very scary person with like, he did the um, the black tongue thing, which really creeped me out and I did not like that. So, I don't know. 
good for Penta. But despite all his charisma in this match, he didn't win. Did you think? Did you think this was his? This I thought this was his week. I kind of thought maybe he was going to get it because Cody wins all the time. You know, he could take a loss. Cody wins all the time, and he's like, he he's he's been selling this this you know this shoulder thing for weeks now. And like the focus of the aftermatch was on Penta as though he had won. Like I didn't, I actually didn't realize that he had lost because I had looked down. And then when I was looking up, I was like, oh, Penta clearly won. And then I heard like Andy say he didn't win. I was like, what? Well, Cody did a quick roll up because I mean, Penta, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't showboat that much between your, <laughs> your attacks here. Um, so Cody caught him when he was doing like a Fortnite dance or whatever um, and <laughs> rolled him up. But then, yeah, Penta immediately was like, I didn't lose. And he starts beating the shit out of Cody. And that's probably what you saw. Um, Cause he was then chased out of the ring by uh, Dustin and eventually the gun club. So but not QT Marshall. Well, QT kind of ambled out like once all the business was done and was like, yeah, I'm here. What? <laughs> like, I mean, I kind of saw his point this week. It's like, there was already four guys helping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his lackadaisical attitude uh, is maybe the most interesting QT Marshall has ever been to me. And I'm excited to see him get his ass kicked out of the nightmare family at some point. But yeah, they're all still really surprised that he doesn't seem to care. I would be happy if he would stop being a television wrestler and just focus on training, which he seems to be very good at because he turns, he's turned out a lot of like good people, but I'm not, I just, I'm not engaged by him as a wrestler. He hasn't, he's never really hooked, hooked on with me. And I thought the best use of him was in that tag team with Dustin, because then at least you get to see Dustin. But, um, but yeah, yeah, like I could, I could do with less QT and I don't know if it's heading that way. I think we, I think we might be heading for like a QT Cody match at some point, which is just like, mm. yeah, he doesn't have much of a character beyond guy who wrestles. And there are some people who have taken that sort of idea and, and made it, look really good but i think qt kind of unfortunately falls into the more generic jobber end of that <laughs> so I, I, uh. he thinks that a character trait is eating an apple it's like when i watch a reality <laughs> show and like one of the characters get a haircut or like gets bangs for the season and like that's their storyline and it's like i i don't give a fuck <laughs> Yeah. That's not like a storyline. Yeah, unfortunately for QT, he he does kind of seem to fall into that. So, he, and yet we've talked about him more than the match. Um, but the match was good. I liked the match. Um, Penta kicked out of the crossroads. Yes, he did. Cody did a Canadian destroyer. Yes, he did. <laughs> That's Penta made it look really good. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot, but I think we've, yeah, we kind of covered it. I liked it too. Uh, I, I did, I was kind of weirdly rooting for Penta and I think it's just because, you know, Cody wins a lot and I feel like he could take a loss. He could definitely take a loss, especially right now when he's like, when you have this whole storyline that he's like, you know, his shoulders messed up and you know, whatever else. Yeah. Guys, whatever happened with Shaq? 
Where did he go after the ambulance? So Shaq vanished. And apparently, that was Shaq's idea because he wanted it to be mysterious because he wants to come back and do more matches. Oh, good. Oh, okay. I like that. I was worried Shaq was going to be like, I'm going to disappear, but also, like, I'm done with this. Don't ever call me. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we'll, hopefully, we'll see him. Maybe once crowds are back, that'd be a good time to bring Shaq back or yeah. something. Guys, Shaq's a little weird. Like, yeah. I like I like him, but I listen to him on the Conan O'Brien podcast. Conan needs a friend. I recommend <laughs> it. Um, Shaq might be a flat earther. He joked, but I feel like he might still sort of retain some flat earth beliefs. Also, just generally, I think he's got some weird ideas. Okay. But, like, I like him. I'm not saying yeah. he's bad. I just think it's, like, kind of funny to hear Shaq talk and about, like, his life and stuff. Yeah. All right. The next Young Bucks. Now, Young Bucks. And they're talking to Alex Marvez. Um, Marvez brings up the fact that Ray Phoenix and Pac have earned a title shot. And so he asks the Young Bucks, what's your focus leading up to that match? How are you preparing? Um, the Matt points out that both Bucks have individually been beaten by these two people in singles matches. But he believes that together they have the power to get the victory over them and like you know tag team matching uh but he doesn't get very far into that because don Cass walks over and he's got one of those t-shirts that i mentioned earlier about no leg slapping and he says i got this for papa buck because i heard he got hurt and you guys didn't do anything about it so he he offers this t-shirt the bucks are like no screw this and throws it away and nick's like hey don How's your eye? I notice it's not bruised anymore. And Don is like, all right, guys, I'm going to admit I faked. I faked that whole thing. You didn't kick me. I said you did. It's cool. It's cool, though. Uh, I wanted you to kick me. Actually, because I wanted to see the Young Bucks that I saw in New Japan. And he says, you know, you've been in all elite wrestling for a while. You haven't really done anything elite. And actually, Kenny Omega doesn't even recognize you anymore. You know, Kenny Omega, the big star, the best guy, whatever. And Matt's like, Kenny's changed. And Don's like, yes, he has. He is now the god of wrestling. So deal with it. And then Don looks at them and says, hey, when you look in the mirror at night, do you see the same Nick and Matt? That you did when you were in New Japan. And then he goes. Think about it. And walks away. Deep questions by Don Callis. I think it's dumb. That. They're doing the storyline. When the Young Bucks are the World Tag Team Champions. Yeah. I think they've kind of proven that they're good at wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. This would, have, this would have made more sense like six months ago. And they were still kind of like meandering. Yeah, and and like, you know, maybe he was just bringing up that Nick doesn't look the same as he did a couple Hair, years ago. Hairline has gone back a little bit. It's been scared away from his eyebrows a little more. Nick's still the best. He just wears a headband. It's fine. So apparently that do not slap leg while kicking, uh, when kicking shirt is not, that's not an official AEW shirt. That is in the Don Callis 
uh, store of pro wrestling tees. So, who wants to go there? Yeah, know who you're. Know who you'd be buying from if you want to get that shirt. Not that there's anything wrong with Don Callis. I just I just expected to find it on the AEW uh, section. Yeah, he's a bad man, and he's yeah. not technically in this promotion, even though he's around a lot. Yes, yes. Okay, so think about it. You know, marinate on it. Um, next up, we've got Jade Cargill, and she's here to do a squash match against someone named Danny Jordan, who I'm sure you probably talked about on Elevation and or Dark. But um, she showed up here to get destroyed. Jade Cargill did her jaded, the jaded, which looked to me like, like I don't know what the technical term for it is. It, it looked like a powerbomb, but the person's facing down instead of up. Yes. Beth Phoenix used to call it the glam slam. Okay. Yeah. And Jazz from ECW used to call it the bitch clamp. Ooh. <laughs> All right. That sounds disturbing. I think the jade is better than both of those. The jaded? <laughs> jaded. Yep. Oh, no. Aerosmith. Don't Aerosmith. Come here. Yeah. I was about to say Aerosmith, right? Yeah. I knew that was Aerosmith. Yeah. I liked that one song from Aerosmith. That was in the movie, the um, the the Armageddon movie. I liked that guys. I liked the Armageddon movie a lot. Sure, Armageddon's great. It's like animal crackers wandering across somebody's stomach. Uh, yeah. Well, Jade Cargo wins. She does the jaded, and then the real story is that she antagonizes Red Velvet after the match. Red Velvet, who is behind the barrier, and can't really get to Jade, despite the fact that she looks like she wants to. Um, but the other wrestlers near her, and also the ref, Bryce Rumsberg, gets in between the two. So nothing really comes of this. But they still hate each other, just so you know. It's going to be interesting to see how they bring along Jade. Because she's probably going to destroy everyone for a long time. But they're also going to have to, at the same time, keep her away from title matches because you know they're going to want her to, like... She's going to have to work a real match when she has a championship match. And yes. I'm guessing that she's pretty far away from being able to do that. The announced team did point out this is her second official match. The first yeah. being the one with Shaq, Red Velvet, and Cody. So I, she's greener than Anna J. Yeah, and the thing is, unlike Anna Jay, she's not in a position, the way she's booked, she's not in a position where she's going to be doing competitive matches on Dark. She's going to be, like, smashing people in 90 seconds on Dynamite. And I don't know how you get much better when that's all you're doing. I think, so not that many people watch Dark, right? <clears throat> what, like 100,000 max? It's like 350. Okay. Yeah. That's more than I thought. But it's like, I was actually... going to say, couldn't you... There's not a lot of storyline on Dark. Couldn't you have her work both? Like, have the Dynamite 60-second match, and then later that night have a Dark match that's a little longer? I guess you could, yeah. And just not really call attention to the longer matches that are ever. Yeah. yeah. Just to get reps in. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. Have you well, I, w I wasn't trying to, like... I, I understood what you were saying, but... she She has to do something, though, because when you look at her, you're like, Damn, she can 
kill anyone. Like, she has a great look. She's super athletic. It's just, unfortunately, she doesn't have the practice of doing wrestling moves with her super athletic body. <laughs> like, No, she is. She is 1997 Bill Goldberg, who was a phenomenon and destroyed people in similar fashion. I'm sure that that's the model that they're kind of going after here because it's it's like one of the best examples of it, um, especially in modern times. But, you know, Goldberg ran into the same problem. He like he wasn't that good because all he ever did was 90-second smash-ems. And at a certain point, when you have to, like, wrestle, like, your Hulk Hogan's and your Bret Hart's, uh, you're going to have to do some longer matches at that point. Yeah. Yeah, although I, I did think she did okay in the, the Shaq, Red Velvet, Cody match. I thought she wasn't called on to do a ton, but the women really bolstered that match because Shaq also wasn't going to be in there for extended amounts of time. Yeah. yeah, if you really look at that match, that was all about the women um, because the Shaq and Cody stuff was just like a few very carefully planned out uh, exchanges, you know? Yeah. yeah. She did really well, but I think you could also tell that um, she and Dark Red Velvet had, like, choreographed and probably been practicing that for several weeks. Like, it looked very much like like a like a figure skating routine that was, like, very, like, regiment. And it looked great. Yeah. But, like, you probably... And is I guess if she has to have a longer match, maybe she could get the one-on-one time, depending on who it's with. Um to do that beforehand, but I think that's the only way right now that she'd have a good extended match. Send her over yeah. to the NWA. Nobody's watching that. We've got their championship on our side. <laughs> Let's right. Let her fight people over there. Yeah, they are. They actually they're actually relaunching. Uh, they're running shows again starting this weekend, so that might that might not be an impossibility. I mean, I assume that whatever deal they struck, that NWA would eventually need to benefit from it as well with people going over there from AEW. So I get her practice though, because she has the look, she is striking like just beautiful buff. I I don't know. Like I need her to do more promo practice to round herself out. But um, other than that, like she's, she's got the tools. You just have to kind of put, put them to use. Right. Yeah. I've never seen abs like that. She, it's bananas. Like, <laughs> I believe she could snap me in half if given the chance, and I hope she doesn't. But yeah, she could she, do like one crunch, and I would just be like smashed. Yeah, she looks convincingly like she could kill everyone on that roster. It's just she needs to be able to channel that <laughs> into the performance aspect. So we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, somebody who doesn't really need practice performing is MJF. And he's here with his crew. And Jenny, I know you hate MJF, but it's hard to deny his promo abilities. He's very, very good. So uh, we've got MJF rolling into the ring with his new crew. Which includes Tully, FDR, Sean Spears, and his boy Wardlow, longtime MJF supporter. And this is just their, like, introduction to the AEW crowd. So, 
uh, Tully gets on the mic to start out, and he gives us a brief recap of how this new group of men destroyed the supposedly dominant inner circle last week. And because of that, they are now clearly the baddest group in AEW. Um, they're at the pinnacle of the sport. I remember that saying because it comes back. Um, MJF gets on the mic next and he says, I loved, I loved his opening line. Well, I guess I'm Judas now, huh? And that's just like, <laughs> you little bitch. I love you so much. Um, MJF laments about how hard it was to pretend to like and respect Chris Jericho over the past six months. He gets a couple zingers in about Jericho's dad bod and his receding hairline, which are mean, but, you know, very in line with MJF's character and style of insulting people. And he goes on to say that he managed to convince Jericho and everyone at home that he wanted to take over the inner circle, but his real goal all along was to destroy it from the inside and build a new, stronger faction in its place. And that's where we are today. He does that, he's got his new group. He's going to run down the lineup and highlight each person. Um, but first, I want to say we learned that this new group's name is The Pinnacle. <clears throat> I don't like this. Mm-mm. It'll grow on me. I, I didn't like it at first either, but I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it'll. It'll. It'll just sound normal after a few weeks, you know. I'm sure, but also I really liked your like. You texted me earlier in the week to say, "Do you think this is the long game?" All like, ever since FTR got here and started saying, "Fear the revelation." Couldn't the group be the revelation? I don't think MJF would have allowed that because that was too linked to FTR and he needs to be the top guy in the group. Yeah, but like the idea would be, I, I see what you're saying, but I think if they did that, the idea would be that like maybe it was actually MJF who recruited FTR to come to AEW to set this all up like well in advance, you know? Plus, I just think the revelation sounds cooler than the pinnacle. <laughs> I mean, it does. <laughs> so the fact that you could tie it all into stuff that had happened with FTR and all that would have been just icing on the cake. I don't know. I just, I think the pinnacle sounds weird. But well, like you said, well, I'll get used to it and it'll be fine. It just, I think they missed an opportunity. Before you go on with MJF's promo, which is very excellent, uh, I, d- I don't want to get lost in it, like how good I thought Tully's promo was oh yeah sorry i glossed over it because tolly is tolly and i just expect him to be great (laughs) he's got so much experience but yes please expound on no it's just like he i thought this was his best promo since coming to aw it sounded like he really believed what he was saying i liked how he linked like he kind of like without saying the words he linked the four horsemen to this group and kind of gave it that that kind of blessing basically um and yeah i just i i got real i i felt i felt it when he was uh when he was talking about you know the uh the pinnacle yes i mean he did link it in that i believe he said like i started my career in the most dominant group and now i'm here and i'm going to end my career in the most dominant group so yeah. without saying four horsemen right um, but yeah, Tully, I just Tully trust Tully. Tully knows what he's doing. Like, yeah. Tully's convinced me I'm, I'm a Tully convert. 
Like, this is the only time I've really seen him do his stuff, and I think he's great. Yeah. One of their good legends. Um, yeah. But yeah, so MJF, uh, MJF starts by pointing out how great Tully is. I mean, he's a legend. And then he, he moves on to Wardlow. And I didn't really pay attention to what MJF said about Lord, uh, Wardlow because I was too lost in like <laughs> the beautiful black suit and flowery button down that Wardlow was wearing. And I'm just like, look at you, sir. You are the snappiest dressed person out on this stage. You are outshining everyone in the group as far as that goes. Okay, Megan. Uh-oh. I <laughs> loved the cobalt blue FTR suits. Okay. However, they were not styled correctly. No, thank you. If you're going to wear cobalt blue, which is my favorite color to wear, it is like you need to wear a white button down with it because it's Santorini colors. It plays off of the white. That is my go-to summer outfit. I wear a bright blue shirt and white pants. It. Oh, I've seen this outfit. Yeah, probably many times. Yes, I have. But, like, they just styled it incorrectly. It's like, it didn't make any sense, their shirts. But if they had worn crisp white shirts, whew, they That's, would have outshone. Jenny, I'm so glad you bring this up because I didn't know that it was going to be a conversation point. But I did think Wardlow won because FTR were, like, 95% there. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't land it. And I was like, boys, you tried, but you didn't make it. So, it was Wardlow really wins. disappointing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know what he said about Wardlow. I thought Wardlow looked excellent out there. <laughs> and I'm assuming he said good things because Wardlow has been his right-hand man literally the entire time he's been here. No matter how badly he's treated him. So Wardlow's here. Wardlow looked like he he had kind of like a renewed sense of purpose. He didn't look bitter. He just looked like, finally, I'm getting the the attention I deserve. So Wardlow's here. We move down the line. Sean Spears. He's always been a top guy, MJF says. Now he's going to prove it. Um, Sean Spears' look is bad compared to Wardlow's. <laughs> MJF didn't bring it up. I'm just putting that out there as commentary, personal commentary. Um, Sean Spears. I, it's going to be interesting <laughs> if... This association and this group, which I think I think this group is real fucking cool, but it's going to be interesting if that can make me care about Sean Spears as like a top guy or as like a like a right below the top guy, because I think that's what this group is going to be pushed like, at least for the, you know, short and midterm. And I just, I don't know. He just seems to me like inevitably the guy who's going to get turned on and turfed out of the group for somebody better like maybe Scorpio Sky right now would be maybe a better fit with his current attitude for that group. Guys, if Scorpio, Scorpio Sky got in this group, he'd have to wear a suit. Scorpio yeah. would bring, bring a better fashion game mm-hmm. and also like a lot of attitude. Yeah. And also, it wouldn't be six white guys. Yeah. They were that like, look at this diverse thing. group of people. And it's six white guys. Well, one of one of them's Jewish, so you know. <laughs> I, okay, just like white Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be amazing. I do. I do feel bad because I like Sean Spears 
if only because he's realized that he's not a top guy. I thought he had kind of put out there and reconciled the fact that like he's on the decline of his career and now his goal is to put over other younger guys, which I totally fully respect that he understands that and is happy to take that position. But this seems to fly in the face of that. So if it elevates him, I guess like good for him. That's like a weird career boost. Um, But also you're, you're probably right that like if anybody's going to get sacrificed and replaced, he would be first in line. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I think his stupid blonde mohawk (laughs) is a bad choice. Yeah. He can only (laughs) be a top guy if they bring his wife in. Okay. Well, she's in WWE, so that's not going to happen. Moving down the line, we go to to FTR, the two guys in FTR. And MGF makes a reference that I didn't really understand, and maybe Andy can clarify, but he says they are the only Grand Slam World Tag Team Champions in the history of professional wrestling. What does that mean? It's so weird because it's true, kind of, but it relies very, very heavily on their WWE careers. It means that they have won tag team championships on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. I had no idea what that... I thought that... I was like, is that a promotion? Like, is that in a promotion I've never heard of? But okay. Is that like fan favorite? (laughs) Oh, no. You're never going to be fan favorite if you do that. So, yeah. I guess uh, FTR is that. Which is, mm-hmm. when you when you list it out, is kind of like a very good achievement. Like, good for them. Um, but they're in this group now, so they seem confident. I think they're good assets to have. And then MJF gets to himself, and he, like, he says a lot of words about how great he is. What it boils down to is basically, like, he calls, like, he assesses himself as, like, a wonderkind that um, will only get better with age. And, you know, I I can't argue with him. He's so young and he's already so good. It's hard to to deny that he probably will continue to get better. No, he's Um, he's a. I think he is a stock you should buy. Yeah. 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 Uh, So yeah, he says uh, their new group will be taking whatever they want when they want it, and he closes out by saying, "We're gonna take Jericho and the Inner Circle's locker room." So. Watch out. <laughs> what a big goal to start out with. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to take that locker room. Man, I loved this whole thing. I just, I thought this was a great segment. I thought this was, uh, like I said, Tully's best promo in AEW, and I thought this was one of MJF's better promos. Yeah, I really enjoyed it because it was just a very straightforward, here's my gang, here's what we're out for. There was no stupid kind of gimmick to complicate things it was just here we are this is our introduction it was very reminiscent of jericho's promo introducing the inner circle on like episode two of dynamite whenever that was back in back in october 2019 yeah he did run down his roster and give out nicknames to everyone mjf didn't give out nicknames i think that's where he really fell Um, short he did call wardlow the war dog well, we've been calling him that for years. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's not. He called Sean Spears uh, double S, which I thought sounded cool. All right. All yeah. right. 
And it is a reference to another past four horsemen, Double A Arn Anderson. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm into seeing what havoc these guys cause, uh, and we'll get back to the <laughs> the locker room thing does come up later. So don't worry. That gets tied up nicely. Um, for now, though, we've got a eight man match. Yes, it's a no ten. Ten, ten man. <sighs> it's Matt Hardy, Private Party. Too many people for Jenny to pay attention to. I figured, but it's it, it's Matt Hardy, Private Party, The Butcher and the Blade versus Jurassic Express. All three members this time, and Bear Country. Hell yeah, Bear Country. Some background on Bear Country, though. They they have history with almost everyone in this match, it seems like, because they eliminated Luchasaurus in the tag team battle royal. Yep. And it seems like maybe they're they're trying to put that kind of behind them as they enter this match with these, you know, them as their team. But also, apparently, there is some hostility developing between them and the Butcher and the Blade over on Dark, which we don't watch, but the announced team did point that out. So Bear Country kind of weirdly has a touch point on both sides of this match. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the quote unquote bad guys, that's what I call them, win this match when Matt Hardy pins Marco. He does a twist of fate on him, but that's after a private party already kind of knocked him out by doing the gin and juice. So Matt Hardy did one of those things where somebody else elim- like got the stamina bar all the way to the bottom and then he yeah. tagged in. So. Yeah. Although now when he does it, like private party are happy to let him do it. Like they they, they relish in his uh, in his evil glee. Yeah, well, because they've converted to the dark side. Yeah, Marco took this uh, twist of fate like the angle that he ended up at. It was like standing, and then he like <laughs> he like basically just like lawn darted. Oh yeah. Well, he's so little and like. He's at Matt Hardy's hip, but he's still basically standing up straight, you know? Yeah. He had a moment where all the bad guys were on the floor, and Bear Country picked him up under the arms and heaved him out of the ring, ass over tea kettle. He, they, they threw him too, too hard and too fast, and they didn't know their own strength with such a tiny man. He overshot all five members of Matt Hardy Industries or whatever the hell, <laughs> and uh, the butcher, thankfully, got a hold of him barely and saved his life before he like crashed into the barricade. <laughs> yeah, that um, it was out of control. You sent me that that gif, and I watched it, and I don't think I registered it during the show so much. But uh, when I saw it on repeat in that loop of the gif, I was like, "Oh my god, Marco could have died." And Bear Country, I mean, I want to say it's it's probably not their fault in that they've probably never thrown such a small person over, <laughs> over the ropes. But, man, he was launched. And it looked intense. Also, after, he, after they did that, like, like, kayfabe Jurassic Park was very pissed about how carelessly they seemed to do that. Um, so that was, you know, the tension between those two groups was was there. Um, but yeah, 
I thought yeah, this was I, like a fun tag match. I enjoyed it. I, and I guess we'll probably just get, I imagine, just a dynamite match out of it with Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus versus Bear Country. How do you feel about Jungle Boy always being the one on the Jurassic Express side that has to take, like, the majority of the beating? <laughs> because I'm starting to feel bad for him. Yeah, but I think you're supposed to. I think that's why. That's because he's a great baby face. So that's that's his role. Okay. I just, he always gets tossed out there to be beaten up for 90% of the match. And then, you know, he doesn't get the glory of winning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it is funny because like in the six mans, Marco's there and it's still usually jungle boy who takes the heat. <laughs> and I think yeah. it's just because he's better at it. I, yeah, I guess that's true. In some ways it's like a compliment that he can carry that, but yeah. I just, I feel bad because it's like jungle boy, you're, you're talented. It sucks. Yeah. Um, after the match, there is kind of like a weird moment where Jurassic Express and Bear Country, they have like an argument, but that's about it. Like they don't they don't come to blows, but it's clear that these two are not gonna these two teams are not gonna be best friends anytime soon. Um and I will like I hate to admit it, but I kinda like Matt Hardy's stupid new metal theme song that he did the music video <laughs> for and um dun, 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 dun. It's catchy and it sticks in your it sticks in my brain. I don't know about you, but like I hate that I hate that that happens. So just needed to put that out there to the universe so that maybe it will stop. Ooh. Um, something I love without being ashamed of is that John Moxley and Eddie Kingston are best friends. <laughs> like, whew, their relationship is beautiful and I love it. Um, they have a we, fire table this week. No, they don't. I think they were they were like in a fancy part of the Jacksonville stadium or whatever for that like the conference room where maybe important people go this time they're just kind of standing around somewhere um but yeah they they have this promo video together uh moxley says you know i'm not in a good mood because i got burned lacerated and handcuffed in the revolution match and in his opinion he should be somewhere on a beach sipping mai tais but instead, he's here at AEW. He's here on the Dynamite filming to fight a war. Um, apparently, everyone like loves the Good Brothers, ew, except for Moxley and Kingston, who hate them. Which like I'm on board. Thank you, boys. Uh, Moxley like says, "Bad Brothers." <laughs> yeah, that's very clever. <laughs> Good low hanging fruit you took advantage of there. I like it. Just uh, like they do. Ew. Yeah, I hate them. Um, Moxie calls them cheap shot artists. Uh, I believe he says Gallows has googly eyes. Or, like, he says something and they come to the conclusion that Gallows has googly eyes. Yes. Okay, so, like, you know, like the craft when you glue googly eyes. Um, And then Moxie calls... They refused to say Forky. They could have just said Forky. Well, is that... Not like copyright. You can make reference to things, right? I don't. I don't know. Right. I think so, but no. they didn't. Um, and then they called Anderson Chad too bad. Yes, that is a prior wrestling name for uh, Chad Allegra, aka Carl Anderson. Okay. Chad too bad. Okay. It's a really great name. 
Um, yeah, they just spent this promo like hating on the Good Brothers, and I was like, thank you. I agree with everything you said. Moxley was mad that he wasted his money on Talking Shopamania, which is an indie show that uh, the Good Brothers promoted and uh, for pay-per-view a few months ago. Isn't Talking Shop their podcast, too? Yes. Okay. I I thought he meant he went on their podcast. (laughs) I wasn't sure. Uh, But yeah, I love that they hate the Good Brothers. It makes me feel good. Um, Eddie says, I have a message for you, Good Brothers. This you know, you've been all over TNT and, and New Japan and whatnot, but this is our place. And then he does some quotes from 50 Cent and Tupac, and I didn't write them down. I just love the fact that he did. Uh, and calls the Good Brothers cowards. So that's a lot of heat to throw their way, just saying it's going to come back up. I thought this promo had, like, a lighter, like tone mm-hmm. like I, I i really i like this duo now because moxley's promos are normally kind of they're good they're intense but they're intense and this just felt like lighter and i liked that like he leaned on being weird instead of being like scary yeah because he can hit both i think yeah i agree he can hit both i love yeah. that i would watch five more minutes of this mm-hmm. hell yeah i agree i I hate to admit I've come full, not full circle, but like I've done a 180 on Eddie Kingston, but this duo makes me so happy <laughs> and I want them to stay together forever. Yeah. So, yeah. And it should be said that they have a match coming up against the Good Brothers. But before we get to that, we do get a brief backstage interview between Dasha and Christian Cage, newly signed. And she asks, hey, Christian, like, what brought you here to AEW? Like, why did you sign? And he he diverts for a moment. He says, you know, there's a term for guys like me who put in the work, um, work horses, if you will, which made me think of War Horse, which is unrelated. Spielberg movie? No. Uh, oh, the wrestler. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the fucking guy. <laughs> War horse. He's around. Damn it. Uh, but yeah, so Christian says, like, you know, there are workhorses out there, but I am I am the workhorse. You and... know what, Megan? I hate to interrupt you, but I have to say, later on in the show, when Darby said the thing about, like, wanting to, like, open up the TNT title challenges again, I did think of, like, don't open the door for Warhorse to come back to Dynamite. Warhorse will show up. He's camped <laughs> out. He's waiting. He just needs an invitation, and you've done that. Darby, <laughs> take responsibility. That's fair. We'll get there. We'll get there, but I love that you've thought of that. <laughs> but, yeah, Christian's here uh, to make... He- He's still not telling us why he's here, but he's lamenting that he makes wrestling better. He makes the guys around him better. He levels them up. And uh, he does say he's not here to ruffle feathers. He's just here to get that AEW World Championship. And at this point, he calls out Kenny because Kenny kind of interrupted his whole thing last week. Um, And he's like, hey, Kenny, you're on borrowed time. I'm going to get that championship. And then he comes back around and he says, you know what, Dasha? I'm here to cement my legacy and outwork everyone. So Christian Cage is here and he's still like your friend's hot dad. I, I just cannot <laughs> I cannot shake that image now every time I see him. I'm like, yeah, he's your friend's hot dad. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, until he showed up, I had forgotten that he had signed. What? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I I like Christian. I'm a big fan of Christian. I, I think he's a great wrestler. I really, I've always really enjoyed his matches. So hopefully, he's still got something left in the tank. I hope so. I like that he sounds enthusiastic to be here and like he's going to wrestle more than other legacy signings like Sting perhaps um so I am approaching him with an open mind I like Christian I I hope he has like kept up with it I hope so too I hope he's been studying at least uh because I'm just looking at his cage match profile uh-oh. His match listing, and he has not had the last time he had a non Royal Rumble match, which is what he did this year, uh, was March twenty fourth, two thousand and fourteen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How long? I can't remember how long was he in the Royal Rumble. Did he get to stay in there for a while, or he got, show up? He, and... he he was in the final four. He wrestled Jack Swagger. Oh no! Not in his last match, but like one of the one yeah. of the. No, they were in the company at the same time. I, I I have no. I know you guys talk about Jack Swagger, but um. You know that's Jake Hager, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I hate Jack Swagger. I know you guys do. I just like it's like real. Yeah. I, yeah, I got the impression that. The Royal Rumble, like, fired him up, but I couldn't remember if he actually got to spend a fair amount of time in the ring for that one. I believe he did. I don't remember what number entrant he was, but uh, but he was in the final four. Okay. He sounds like he's um, been training, again, based on podcast episodes, but he sounds like he's preparing himself to not you know, be totally shocked by getting back into it. I think that's a good sign. And I hope he can follow through with with that expectation. He was in for 18 minutes and 12 seconds. Okay. Okay, so... That's decent. Yeah. I hope he does okay. I like Christian. He seems like a nice guy. I do too. Remember, remember his, like... Uh... Big feud with Randy Orton in 2011, that whole summer, where he never got to win. Yeah, but I wanted him to kill Randy Orton. Yeah, but he was great that year, and uh, I don't know. I just I hope he's I hope he's got a little bit of that magic left. Me too. I think he's got the charisma for it. I think you know if he's going to wrestle Kenny Omega, then you couldn't have a better opponent to have a great match with. So. Yeah. Well. Good luck, Christian. We will see where you end up. Um, Because I don't think you have any matches announced just yet. But from there, we go uh, into that Eddie Kingston-John Moxley match that Eddie and John had been getting all fired up about. Um, So uh, Kingston and Moxley eventually do win this match. Moxley pins Carl Anderson with an inside cradle. But up until that happens, like right at the beginning, the Good Brothers attack Eddie when he's coming out to the ring. And that 
delays the start of the match. And then when John Moxley runs out to help him and also be his partner for this match, they do the magic killer on him, effectively taking him out for like a lot of this match. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like essentially the match ends up getting started and Eddie is Eddie is alone. And when Moxley finally manages to pull himself up to the corner to potentially tag himself in the good brothers like kick or punch him down so a lot of this match is eddie getting beat up um yes which is unfortunate i mean they do win but it's it's rough eddie gets beat up and and gets his eyes gouged which is gross and also feel like that should be a disqualifier but yeah do you have any thoughts about the match itself before we get into the aftermath of the match? It's a fine match. Yeah, just a lot of beating up Eddie, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so after the match, when Moxley rolls up Carl Anderson, um, the Good Brothers are like, no, we can't have that. And so they start beating up Moxley. And then Kenny makes this like super douchey entrance, <laughs> sets up his metal chair in front of Moxley, who is laying down on like in the middle of the ring. Now remember, he he forgot to say, you said Super Douchey entrance, but you did not specify that he danced to his own theme song as he walked out. Oh yeah, he did he did like the like Finger snapping and, yeah. and just like shoulder he's Kenny's so good at being a douchebag. Yeah, ruled. Um so yeah, he he sets up his chair. Um he starts to get in Moxley's face, like leaning over in the chair and then Kingston runs in and, and tackles him. But it's I quickly love that. I thought that was such a great touch. Like, I love the love that Eddie and Moxley have now got for each other and their desperate attempts to help each other. (laughs) Like, it's very heartwarming. So Eddie Eddie tackles him, but, like, also Moxley's down. Eddie is using his last bout of energy to do this, and the Good Brothers are, like, still there. So they quickly subdue him. It's a a nice gesture, but, um, you know... He's going to get beat up. And so the Good Brothers set him up so that his his leg, Eddie's leg, is in the metal chair. And then Carl Anderson gets up on the top turnbuckle and jumps on it. And apparently um, Kingston has like a history of knee injuries. So this is really bad for him. And it kind of causes him to roll away. And he's super hurt. And Doc Sampson has to come out. And then the group turns on not Moxley. And they put his neck in the chair. Which is like, are you going to murder him? Because um, that's what it seems like. But at this point, the Young Bucks finally run out and they're like, hey, hey, guys, I mean, we know you're like, we're all a group, but you need to stop this nonsense. And they do succeed in in like keeping Moxley from getting essentially murdered. But the Good Brothers and Kenny are like, fine, fine, fine. Like, we'll stop. And then they put the the two sweet sign up and they all do it. And the young bucks this time refuse to participate. And Kenny gets super pissed. Um, and the, like the young bucks start to walk away to try and like, I guess just take themselves out of the situation. But Kenny like gets really riled up and is yelling at them. And then he pulls his shirt off and he's like ready to go. Um, but the young bucks are like, what the fuck is this? And then Moxley breaks this whole situation up by jumping up and just wildly swinging a metal chair around because he's kind of out of it, but he's also mad. Um, and so all the elite members leave the ring. And we're left with Moxley, who is like, 
confused and then eddie's on ringside and we get a shot of him being like get me in the ring with mox get me in the ring with mox and the doctors help him out and they just kind of like shove him in the ring and it's just like this cute moment where moxley comes over and is like buddy you okay it was heartwarming i love it so that's this is what's going on this this whole super entwined feud Give me, give me Mox and the Bucks against uh, Kenny and the Good Brothers. I am down with that. I love that suggestion. Yeah, I don't know how soon you can do it because I don't think, I don't know. Like, I feel like the Good Brothers have to attack the Young Bucks before they can actually face off against them. You know, there hasn't there hasn't really been a turn yet. Yeah, and even in this segment, the Good Brothers still seem like they were like, "Hey." You're part of our group. It was Kenny who ultimately got really, yeah, yeah, like mad. So, yeah, I don't know when that turn's going to happen. Um, also, just, you know, outside of the storyline, Moxley, I assume, has to go away on paternity leave at some point. So how are they going to, like, remove him from the situation? I don't know. I thought... Th- I wonder if that's what the bomb was going to do if it had gone off. Supposed to kill him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I guess we'll see how that all goes. But um, suffice it to say, I love John Moxley teaming with Eddie Kingston. And I can't believe how how much I totally dig this this partnership. Yeah. So... From there, we go to our weekly Sting segment. Guys, it's here. Sting's here. Um, but also Sting and Sting is with Darby. So, uh, Did you notice that Tony tried to say, um, tried to introduce Darby in the same cadence he introduced Sting and didn't realize that it didn't work because there aren't the same number of syllables? Darby instead of Sting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he, yeah. So he like really emphasized Darby. And then he realized he still had to say Alan. So he just said, Alan! (laughs) Tony's trying. He's trying. Yeah, so (laughs) he gets both of them out there eventually. Uh, But Darby is limping because of his attack um, by Scorpio Sky last week. And so we've got both of them out there. Uh, Tony says, hey, Darby, no one really expected what happened to you. Fr- you know, the attack from Scorpius guy. So that must be tough. And Darby's like, you know what? I just want to put out there that I've only defended the TNT championship three times so far since having it. And like that. That sucks. But now the crowd that- didn't know that that sucked. No, they were very happy. And he's like, no, uh, that's what I say every time why I'm so over Darby. I really like Darby. And I just assumed kind of the scheduling was not great to allow him to start defending the TNT championship. But he does say, like, now that Team Taz, like, our whole deal is done, presumably because they beat them, um, then he's ready to start defending it weekly. And he opens up the challenge. Warhorse may or may not show up. We don't know if he's camped outside the arena. I just thought it was hilarious that he that he he opened his promo with that line, and then the crowd chanted, "Yeah!" And he's, and like, he's like, "No, no it's not good." 
<laughs> yeah, that was funny because I was like, "Wait, what, Darby?" <laughs> Everybody was real into it. Um, but yeah, he he wants to be a, a you know a fighting champion. So yeah. he he says like, "I'm going to start defending it every week." And specifically, he's like, "Hey, Dark Order, like Brody Lee was." the greatest TNT champion. So if you want to try and get this title back into your stable, come at me. Um, you know, who who's who's up? And at this point, Lance Archer walks out with Jake. And once again, he's taking the time that he believes he is owed, even though it's not given to him. And he threatens Darby for a moment. And then he, Jake redirects him towards Sting. And... So he insults him as well. I guess Lance is pretty much up to fight either of them at this point. He just wants screen time. And Jake says something stupid to J- to the Sting. I like I feel like he tried his old man insult and it didn't work, but I and I didn't write it down because it was dumb. He said something stupid to Darby. Did he, I thought he said something stupid to Sting. He said he said go get your wait. I wrote this down somewhere. I like because I was just like, oh yeah, I was just I couldn't believe what I was hearing, and that like this is a taped show that they did not like just you know save his life by editing it out of it. But um, let me see where is I'm looking at our Facebook wrestling group that uh, that keeps track of such gaffes as this one. Yeah, Uh, I think I found. Okay. <laughs> you better go back there and put your bun on. Your hot dog bun. Because you're a weenie boy. Oh my god, it yes. was awful. That was terrible. Jake. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. It's, yeah. Archer doesn't even need him to talk. He barely talks for him, you know? No, I think Lance does just fine cutting promos on people himself. Like, he he knows how to talk. So, that was a weird... That was kind of just a weird piece of this. But, um, essentially, like, Lance, I guess, wants to kill both both of them. I I think Lance wants to fight people. And Darby has a title, and so he's going to fight him. Um, Help Darby and Terrific. Yes. Well, that's fair. Um, <laughs> but, like, even though he Tell has... Such, paid. <laughs> even though Lance has such strong words for these two, he just walks away. He's like, I guess we'll take this up later. And he just leaves. And then as soon as he's gone, Team Tash shows up. And Brian Cage gets on the mic and acts like he's going to be gunning for Sting. When, in fact, he he actually, like, talks about how much he respects Sting for all that they've been through. And he even goes so far as to contradict Ricky Starks by name. He says, I don't agree with Ricky Sting. Even without the bat, you're an icon. Everyone in Team Tass is enraged. Especially Ricky Starks, obviously. But, like, they freak out on Brian Cage. And Brian Cage is like, whatever, bitches. And he walks off. And then Team Tass follows him. But it's like a whole kerfuffle and at this point i think sting and darby were just like we're done here poor tony gets left standing there as both sides of this argument just leave and and that's that 
Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's gone. Everybody's mad. So. Yeah. I was, this was interesting because, you know, this was the same old Sting segment, except stuff happened. Like, again, like every once in a while, something happens in these Sting segments. And this was one of those times. Yes, I prefer when things happen. I just, I still think it's funny that every week it's like, we're going to hear from Sting as if we never hear from Sting. So the official AEW account on Wednesdays, they, they put out like a post, like for every segment that's been promoted, like just kind of saying like tonight on dynamite, don't miss this match. And they have a graphic and don't miss this. And Mm -hmm. you're going to hear from Christian cage. And for this week's for the sting segment, it was a picture of sting. And then the text was who will interrupt sting this week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's really good. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I can deal with like stings weekly interruption. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's fine. Oh, all right. Well, after that, we get a video. We get Scorpio Sky talking about how he's very mad that he's been overlooked thus far and has basically been used as a stepping stone in AEW to put other talent over. Um, He says he's going to make his mark, and if he has to hurt people to do it, so be it. And he gets that evil, mischievous grin on his face, and I just think, like... Heal Scorpio is great. I'm very excited. Put him in Pinnacle. Yeah. Get some diversity up in that piece. Yeah. Compared to Pinnacle, the Inner Circle is like the Multicultural Olympics. (laughs) Which is weird. I never (laughs) thought that that would be something I could attribute to a group put together by Chris Jericho. Yeah. No offense, he's just very white and a dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so hopefully your call is correct, but we'll see. I mean, this video package was basically to tell us Scorpio's mean and angry, and that's fine. Right. Uh, next up, we have Ray Phoenix, who is accompanied by Pac, versus Angelico. Uh, Ray Phoenix is the win. He does his finish move, which I did not catch the name of, but I definitely seen him do multiple times the phoenix driver okay phoenix driver yeah he because he yeah that makes sense um but basically this was a match between two technicians and i really enjoyed it um ray phoenix got grounded basically by angelico but it was still i thought pretty cool it was good i wish it had been a little more high flying on Ray's end, but uh, it was, you know, he, he can do more than one thing. Yeah. I, I thought if nothing else, like he's a good opponent to have Angelico doing his like set of submission moves, um, especially because yeah. He, he's, yeah, he's doing like, like, like Mexican style wrestling submissions. Mm-hmm. So Ray is there. Um, Ray did get a couple a couple opportunities to kind of do some stuff, but it was no rope walking or or that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. I just, I thought it was cool to see them work together. I think they work well together. Totally. So. Uh, also, whatever the hell Angelico's thing was, I, I think Excalibur called it the inverted Romero special, where he, like, locked Phoenix's arms in 
his own legs and then rested Phoenix's head on his like crossed feet and then mm-hmm. like for like an a surfboard but like I don't know that looked really cool I think it was not very practical but I thought it was very cool <laughs> yeah most Lucius submissions are not very practical but look very cool okay so that good okay all right so after that um we get Alex Marvez interrupting Miro while he's at the gym mid-workout uh Marvez asks Miro about the the match that Chuck proposed where Chuck said I'll be your butler forever if you win um but basically they he and Orange want to have a match where uh, there are game machines all around the outside, and mm-hmm. and the stakes are that Chuck will be the butler. And Miro says, you know, that's that's a fun thing that Chuck said, but um, his opportunity is over, and Miro has moved on from that. And at this point, Kip interrupts and says, "Hey, you know, Miro, like, I'm not over this Chuck thing, this Chuck and Orange thing. They ruined my wedding." And also, if you'll remember, you, Miro, pushed my wife, and that's why she's hurt. So that's kind of a point of contention as well. Uh, Miro, at at this stage, is like, well, let me offer you a piece of advice, Kip. Never have your wife ringside. Trust me, I know. <laughs> Kip's like, but I love her. And uh, Miro's like, hey, Kip, I'm looking out for number one here. Um... You and I, we're still friends, but like in the ring, I need to do my my business. Okay, so like we can still be friends, but like I need to look out for number one. And so Miro takes off, and then Kip looks at Marvez, and he's Marvez is like, "So about that match?" And Kip goes, "Oh yeah, we're accepting it. Don't worry." So Kip has committed to something that I don't think Miro is necessarily into, and perhaps will not show up for. How do you, like how do you make Piero go places he doesn't want to go? I think he's going to show up. I think they're going to lose because of Kip. And Miro's going to freak out and destroy Kip Sabian, put his head through like maybe an arcade monitor, and that'll be that'll be the split up of the team. That sounds about right. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. And Megan, you bribe Miro with Gucci shirts and shoes and shorts. That's how you get him to go places he doesn't want to go. That's true. But that's an investment. I can't afford his, like, $2,000 loungewear. I'm sorry. (laughs) I shop at Target. Come on. I'm an old Navy girl. Yeah. Like, my my pajamas are $10. Mm -hmm. Miro's, good lord. So, Marvez is busy, though, because after this... He is suddenly backstage with the Dark Order, and he's got the whole group together. They're all decked out in St. Patrick's gear, St. Patrick's Day gear, and uh, he says, hey, Darby said he's open to challenging one of you. Who's it going to be for the TNT Championship? Negative one pops out from between the the tall men, and he's he's like, I'll do it. It's me. And uh, I believe Evil Uno is like, um, you're nine. You need to wait a couple of years. And he kind of like shuffles him back into the crowd. Tell him you need to wait a decade. Yeah, pro- legally, I think that's true. <laughs> God, we're not in one, England. Yeah, negative one really wants it, though. He's like in it to win it. I respect mm-hmm. the kid. 
So he's he's taken out of the mix, and then the group all puts their heads together, and they're like, "It's John. We're gonna we're gonna give it to John, the meat man." And John Silver's like, "Yeah, I love meat, and I have muscles, so he's going to face Darby." Oh, and I actually, not. yeah, I think John Silver is gonna be a very, very good match for Darby's um, high flying, mm-hmm. and also he'll probably toss that little boy around a little bit. Yeah. So. All right, we're almost to the main event, but briefly, before we get there, we see a backstage video where MJF and the Pinnacle go up to the Inner Circle locker room, they peel off the Velcro sign that says Inner Circle, and they pop up the Velcro sign that says the Pinnacle. And so I guess that means that they now own the locker room where Jericho conducts business with the Inner Circle. So Matt Hardy probably actually owns it, they're just leasing it. True. They're going to have to pay a hefty monthly bill to him. And I guess they're no longer allowed to uh, slap their legs and laugh. So, With that said, we are at the main event. The cause of internet discourse around the world. Dr. Mm -hmm. Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in a unsanctioned lights out match, which means no DQs, no fall or and false count anywhere. And also, it does not con- does not affect either competitor's record as far as wins and losses go, because technically this match didn't happen. <sighs> Thunder Rosa wins. She does the fire thunder through a table on the outside, but leading up to that is a lot of stuff. And holy, holy God, what a women's match! They they bleed. They both bleed, and there's a lot of violence, and it's not the type of match I like. But I do respect the fact that these ladies tore it up. I I was so disappointed because it sounded so good and I wanted to watch it, but there was so much blood. I feel like I really missed out and I'm I'm sad about that. Cause it sounded like it was amazing. I think it was um it was amazing in the sense that like if there's were a like two guys, I'd be like, oh yeah, this is this type of match. But I've never seen two women do this stuff and bleed and be so brutal to each other. And I think that's what really made it notable. Not to take it away anything from either of those two, but like I think if you're measuring this on like a standard lights out unsanctioned match, like yes, they did that thing that it is the definition of that, but because we've never seen that and the fact that it was two women, I was like, holy shit, even I can get behind this. Like, I I dig this. Thank you. Thank you for setting the bar high for all those coming after you. Thumbtacks. I hated the thumbtacks. I hated seeing Brit's back when she landed in them. It was so covered and they were stuck in to all of her parts and I, I, I hated that. Reba went through a table. Yep. Um, Britt superplexed Thunder onto a pile of chairs. That looked like it sucked for both of them. Thunder Rosa did a Death Valley driver onto a ladder, which looked That's like right. it sucked. Yeah. Um, this is, I mean, I, I've never seen anything like this. Nope. 
Like there have been matches in Japan, like on a, on, a, on like in the big women's promotions back in specifically back in the '90s. Every once in a while, there'd be a match like this, but never in the United States. Certainly not at this level. Like I don't know, I don't know how crazy Shimmer got at any point, but uh, from but, you know, yeah, the the like year or two I watched of it, they did not do stuff like this. Yeah, it was it was very straightforward matches. There's been a lot of talk online about like where this ranks in terms of, like, best North American women's match. And, I mean, it's got to be right up there. I, The only one that really sticks out in my mind is something that I like on this level is Bailey versus Sasha Banks from TakeOver Brooklyn. That's exactly what I was thinking because I was preparing for this conversation. And when you said that people were saying this is the best women, like, North American women's match ever, I thought... If you like this type of match, because mm-hmm. I do think that takes away from some of the some of the NXT matches I've seen, mm-hmm. like especially during the women's mm-hmm. revolution. I loved all those matches and they didn't have blood. And I don't I don't know if that like increases or decreases the quality, but I thought there was a lot of talent going on there that mm-hmm. may have gotten minimized if you said this was the best wrestling match ever because they didn't do much wrestling they did a lot of hitting and a lot of like violence and you know that's a type but like skill wise i wouldn't say this was the best one i would just say this was a the best of this kind and definitely one of like the like a turning point for women's wrestling for sure but i wouldn't call it the best wrestling match yeah i mean i think it's for this division specifically in AEW, I think it's it was a huge like it was like a watershed moment because it's it's two women doing it's it's women doing double juice which you never see it's women main eventing dynamite which has never happened before it was the culmination of a big feud which you know kind of made it feel like they earned this stipulation and uh, I hope they stay away from each other now they they can't do anything else together again for at least a, for a very long time right this has got to be it you know. Let them both move on to new stuff because they. I feel like they put a, a period at the end of this sentence and it was perfect. Yeah, I I think you know like it was amazing. Um, I don't know what ladies are getting up to on the indies. You know, like maybe they are doing crazy shit like this. But as far as mainstream stuff goes, this was this was like history making. I want. I. I don't think yeah. it's an overstep to say that, and um, I think Brit has come so far, and I'm, I'm so impressed by her and how she she like held up her part in this match. Like Thunderosa wasn't carrying it. I definitely thought going in, like, you know, if these two met on the street, Thunderosa would destroy Brit. <laughs> Thunderosa is a badass, and I love her. Um, but Brit held her own, and and it made sense to me that Thunderosa would win. Uh, but I thought they both did amazing and, and kudos to them. And I'm just, this is not the type of match I like, but I don't want to fail to recognize how awesome and, and how much they worked and, and just how much it's so weird to see this on mainstream television, but in a good way. Uh, Dave Meltzer went, uh, four and three quarter stars for this one. Oh damn, Dave! You couldn't give him a six. Come on. 
<laughs> Only Kenny breaks out of that five star match. I did see, like, I read his review, and the only he did criticize the uh, the weak uh, crutch shots from Rebel that were sprinkled in a couple different places in the match. So, okay, but she's like a sidekick. <laughs> yeah, but Thunder Rosa had to sell them. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's getting you know it's getting its roses all over the place uh, online, and uh, no thorns, no thorns. Do you think we're going to get, I, I hope this means we're going to get more women's main eventing on Dynamite because it's been absent, notably. Yeah, I, I, I think this definitely opens the door for that. And I think, I think it would be appropriate if, if Thunder Rosa versus Sheeta or Britt Baker versus Sheeta is going to be a title match that doesn't take place on a pay-per-view. If you're going to do it on Dynamite, I think that you should do it in a week where you can have that main event. What about just like having more than one women's match in a dynamite? Hopefully this opens the door to that as well. Yeah, I mean there were two women's matches on this show. So, yeah. Yeah, and it should be said that Hikaru Shida was watching from the back, so the implication is she's preparing for her opponent. Yeah. As well, um, I think that we did we saw a shot of Jade Cargill too, right? Yeah, she was sitting out like in the cheap seats. I think yeah. I'm assuming just because she's, she assumes she can take on whoever she wants, or she's looking for that worthy opponent out there. Right. Um, now I did have a question. The announce team kept saying that this was the first lights out match on Dynamite. For was the other one on a pay per view? I couldn't remember. We saw one on a pay per view and on a dark, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So there was one on dark. Between Kenny Omega and Joey Janela. Okay, yes. I remember and, that one. And I think the reason they did that was because Kenny wanted some practice, like in storyline, wanted practice because he was going to wrestle John Moxley and won at the next pay-per-view, which he did. Okay. Yes. Okay. I I was like, I know like I know not all of them have been on pay-per-view, but it sounded weird that Apparently, this is the first one on Dynamite proper. But yeah. also, I I was unsure how much blood they're usually allowed to show on television. So yeah. I guess in that sense, it would make it would make sense that they don't do that on Dynamite. I'm I'm glad that you know, despite the show being da- a little like down in the ratings this week, that that match added so many viewers throughout. I think that's really telling too. People were interested in it and were compelled. Yes. Me too. I I want I want people to know women can carry a main event. Like I I don't think that there's a lack of evidence. Um, but no, and if anything, that's gonna. I mean, that is that's something that's going to push Tony Khan to put them in this position more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know he's a he's an analytics he's a data driven guy. Yep, little yeah. little nerd boy Tony Khan. All right, so that was dynamite. I don't, I don't think with that main event, I don't think you can say anything less than it was a. They hit a home run with that one. Whether whether you liked it or not, it was it was effective. I loved it. In, yeah. In a way, I don't know. Also, I thought Thunder Rosa's gear was very cool. I don't know what the theme was. It looked like fish. It's green. I thought it was for St. Patrick's Day. It was green, but it had like gills or or like um not gills, but uh. Scales. Oh, okay. Like fish scales. I, I couldn't figure out if that was like an Aquaman thing or like something else. But 
Maybe she got Irish and the Loch Ness Monster mixed up. <laughs> you know, the two of those things that are always just floating so closely together. <laughs> Maybe she was a dragon. Ooh, Dragons hmm, are green yeah, that'd scales. be cool. That's a good point. I like that, yeah. I just thought her gear looked cool. I'm so, looking yeah. at it now. Yeah, I don't know what it was supposed to be. I, I didn't think the font on the Thunderosa part of her trunks like indicated anything. Uh, so I was just wondering if it was a general, like, just maybe you're right. Maybe it was a dragon, but she looked cool. And I was very into this match, even though I hate the blood. I love the blood. So I was happy to see it. Good for Brit. Adam Cole said his girlfriend's a badass on Twitter. Hell yeah. He better say that. Come on. <laughs> Acknowledge. All right, guys. We've been going long here. So we're going we're gonna to hit the road. But uh, good episode of Dynamite. Good job, Megan, on the recap. Thank you. Nice to have you back again, Jenny. Yes. And uh, for Jenny and Megan, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening to The Elite Beat. E. Leap beat. E, E, leap beat.